Yeah, it's yeah. indoor. That's exactly right. <laughs> I was like, this is not soccer. What are you doing to my game? Get off my okay. lawn. But now we're talking indoor. John's favorite game. You just took John's tone. I know. I'm crying because I you hate did it. You did start sounding like a little bit of... You hit a little... John. Yeah. Third Degree, the podcast is brought to you by Soccer 90. Go shop at Soccer90.com for all your FC Dallas, U.S. national team, and international club gear. And you, the lovable Third Degree listener, gets 25% off your order when you use the code ThirdDegree at checkout on Soccer90.com. Well, hello there, FC Dallas curious fan. Welcome to another edition of Third Degree, the podcast. Hi. For those new here, I'm Peter. And joining me, first off, the happiest boy in all the soccer land, going to his first major finals, it is Dan Crook. It's coming home. <laughs> I was I was waiting to see if that's what you would say, Mr. Cliche. It's coming home. Were you are you just as giddy as a schoolgirl? Uh, it's coming home. Okay. Yeah. Was it a penalty? Uh, I mean, it was fouled twice before going down. Uh, the one on Kane that was a no call. Was uh, uh, stop, more stop, of a penalty, stop, 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 stop. Okay. Was it a penalty? By the letter of the law, yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, and the free kick technically shouldn't account the walls too close, but you know. See, I haven't seen a definitive image to show me that they're not a yard forward from it. I know they're closer than a yard left or right, but I think there's an optical illusion going on there, Daniel. But nonetheless, England were the better, better team and deserved to win. No doubt about it. Yes. It's coming home. And Italy-England will be fantastic. Shiphousery yeah, all the way around. That, that we've we've played our final, we won our final. We're gonna just, leave it at that. Okay? Just getting past the semifinal <laughs> is winning your final. Yeah, we've lost so many semifinals. That's true. You have. It was funny. You 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 are from England, one of the greatest powerhouses of the sport, and you've never been to a a, a major tournament final in your lifetime. That's true. Nobody uh, under the age of sixty five has seen England at a major tournament final did you shed a little british tear at all when it happened uh no it's more of a, a little english shriek uh, uh there were many british tears the scottish ones the welsh ones the northern irish ones. that's true but, okay uh, you know not the english sorry i didn't get my nomenclature correct and uh also the giggling in the background you hear is from your hero and mine the amazing buzz carrick come in buzz hi peter i'm definitely cheering for Messi and for dan so those are similar. Yeah. <laughs> in, a, in a whole host of ways. Yeah. <laughs> Career success, financial success. Yeah. I wouldn't yeah. mind being a dollar behind him. Yes. Yeah. A dollar. Just one dollar. So you're going for the Argentina England yeah. uh, double. Is well, that your parlay? Yeah, I mean I love Messi and I want him to win something at least big ish, and I've always enjoyed Argentina. Um and I want Dan, you know, I got no bones in these games. I'd love for Dan's country to win. I will say that 
since the Euro '96, I've I've uh, I particularly liked that specific English team with Gaza and Shearer and mm-hmm. those guys. And I mean, that was a fun team. I, I'm not like all in on England all the time, but in this particular case, I mean, versus Italy, I mean, what the heck? Go Dan, you know, go England. So yeah, go me. Yeah, <laughs> go Personal. you. Well, congratulations, Dan. We're all very pleased for you and the nation, and um, and maybe just hopefully it will actually come home. All right, now. Thank you. Unfortunately, meanwhile, back in Frisco, <laughs> it has been the return of the awful, as is noted and tracked by the original fan, Dustin Christmason. 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 Yeah, whatever. Uh, also known as El Jefe. Yeah. Dallas continues on a pace after 11 games of only two points ahead of this club's most historically bad season of all time, the hellscape that was 2003 and Southlake. And man, I got to tell you, if there's one aspect out of this that I can, it, that really has started to bother me more than anything else, because it is a bad season, and we've seen this team have bad seasons, and we've seen them have good seasons. But in light of the fact that this is Lucci's third season, and it's all gone so very backwards from when it from where it was when he got the team. Are either one of you surprised or bothered as much as I am over the fact that uh, neither Zanata or Dan Hunt have been out publicly speaking about what's going on and kind of leaving Lucci out to hang, hang out to dry? Uh, I had not noticed that, but I I, I do see what you're saying. Um, it does bother me actually now that you say it a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I I don't know that maybe that's a sign that that they're happy with what's going on. I mean, it's crazy. That's not, it's not possible, right? I mean, that, there's no way that could be true. Well, I did talk to some, one person who was sitting in the stadium near Zanata, and they said that based on his body language and the fact he was occasionally holding his head in his hands, that they are not at all happy with how it's going. But that's a little hearsay. I mean, they, you know, whatever. That's worth. Uh, you mean la- this happened last night or the no, game the over Vancouver the weekend? Game. The Vancouver yeah. game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, listen, th- there's no way they can be happy. Uh, you know, Zanata is not much of a public talker. I mean, I could probably count on one hand the number of times that they've made him available to media and put him out there. I mean, who covers this team other than us and the team itself? So they're not going to put their own people Dan Hunt is not out in front of stories and stuff. I mean, it, you know, nobody else really covers the team. Yeah, I just and I kind of get the Zanata thing because he probably doesn't speak superior English. And again, to your point, he's not somebody that you know they probably feel comfortable putting out in front of public. And while I I certainly am confident that they're also not, <laughs> they don't feel great about putting Dan out in front of uh in in front of the media on a regular basis because he's just not good at it. Somebody's got to come out and say something, and I'm not even looking for the the generic cliche, um, you know, full support from ownership of the manager, but just kind of the overall state of what's going on. Because, you know, they didn't hire a guy that came in with a transformative plan. They hired a guy to kind of take over and learn on the job. And so, if anybody needs support from his superiors publicly, it's Lucci, right? 
Well, number one, Zanata went to high school in Arlington, so his English is actually very perfectly good. He's like oh. a native, basically. Okay. Uh, but well, also... Then, now I'm hear, really wondering why he's not out talking. Yeah, no, I didn't think... Yeah, very... I mean, he worked for traffic in Miami, too. You remember? I mean, his guys... Oh, that's true. He okay. might as well be an American. I mean, he's not, but he might as well be. Um, and the other thing is, is that you and I both know that Dan Hunt doesn't really make decisions. So you're not going to put him out there. The only one you really need to worry about is if Clark Hunt shows up and goes out in front of the mic, then you know there's a problem. So I, I honestly, if you look at what we're going to talk about later is the upcoming transfer window. I'm sure they're pretty happy. <laughs> Big picture, right? This Why? is the new Be- model. Well, yeah, but okay. So then I guess that means that just works under the assumption that the that the uh, the ongoing conspiracy perception of the fan base that the hunts really just don't care as long as they continue to sell players. You actually buy into that? Well, I buy into it maybe halfway. You know, I think the other the other side of the coin is is they know that this roster is not very good. So what are you going to do? Come out and be like. Oh, yeah, we have confidence in our coach, the dread of out of confidence, right? That means that you don't have confidence. You, so they're probably just right waiting there. for Lucci to, get, you know, do what he wants to do. You know? Would you say, Dan? Uh, I mean, Buzz, Buzz is completely correct. Uh, you know, nobody wants the vote of confidence. It's, it's the kiss of death. Uh, you know, and this is FC Dallas. They don't talk unless they absolutely need to. They don't want to say too much or give away too much. So, you know, just keeping quiet and just... You know, letting Lucci do his obligations and, and say, you know, we're working to change things every week. That's that's going to be the minimum they do. Yeah, but again, this kind of gets back to my original point and question, which is, and I think I'm on the record as saying, I really like Lucci as a human being, but from day one, I was adamantly against his hiring for this job for all the reasons we've talked about uh, ad nauseum. But I got to say, uh, you know, leaving Lucci out to be the single point person uh, to answer questions with the media, even as limited as that is, is a total BS move on Dan Hunt's part to do. Because it 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 is not reflective of the situation that Lucci has gotten himself into. Again, Lucci knew this job was dangerous when he took it, right? Oh, yeah. If your story is correct, uh, Buzz, he pitched himself and sold himself on them to give him this job. So, you know, he's a he's in a situation of his own making in many ways, but goodness gracious, they, somebody's got to step up and help the cat out, talk about how they're going to fix this, what the plan is, uh, X, Y, and Z, and all we're getting now are these really sad, pathetic, overly worded, Lucci just kind of grasping at straw sports cliche press conferences while the team now has officially won only two games, collected only 10 points at home after a lot of games, and have yet to win on the road, and again, are on pace to be almost as bad as the club's worst season in its history. Yeah, one of the big problems is that the 2003 meltdown had a direct cause, whereas this one is just a product of roster decisions coaching decisions owner decisions i mean this is a collective triumvirate that has led us to this point you know i don't think any of those guys want to get out in front of a camera and get blasted because all of them have not done a good enough job so you know if dan goes out in front of a camera or zanata goes out in front of a camera people can start asking him about frank o'hara they're gonna start asking about these other players that have underachieved that they brought in at signings no one's gonna ask him about lucci 
right? I mean, we, we've known for three years what Lucci was. We knew he got hired too soon. We still like him. That doesn't mean that we think he's in and over his head or not. You know, so no one's going to ask about that. Everybody knows. <laughs> it's like they're going to ask him about the other stuff, and they don't want to have to deal with that. So that's why they're not out. Well, I certainly feel like since I'm being told all the time that there's a kick-ass social media team and a kick-ass media team and a kick-ass public relations team and a oh, kick-ass... said that? Well, the club does, right? Like we're always being told how they have the best of the best of all those things. And my response is somebody needs to be smart enough to go to Dan and say, hey, this would be a really good opportunity for you to put out a tweet or a press release or a video or something and just help a cat out because they're screwing Lucci. And I and, and, you know, I'm a I'm a huge Lucci critic uh, on for the job, not as a person again. Um, but at this point, it's just, it's pathetic in the manner of the way the club is handling this whole situation. It's really embarrassing, frankly. I've really got to disagree with you there. You, the second that you put out any message of support, you're saying that he's not good at his job and, you know, you're, you're is... missing, you're missing my, you're, I'm sorry. I'm not explaining. You're not missing anything. I'm not explaining it. I'm not saying that Dan Hunt needs to come out and say, we support Lucci. What Dan Hunt needs to come out and say is, look, we understand that things are bad right now, but we do have a plan to make this better. And the plan includes Lucci and Zanata and signing these types of players, X, Y, and Z. And they need to clearly dictate how all of this positivity around selling kids to German teams and teams in Austria or wherever else on the globe all fits in as part of the plan. Because that's where I think the communications is missing. You're okay, right, Dan. Uh, no, yeah, you're, that's you're, what you're I'm saying. Right there. Uh, no, you're, you're spot on. Um, you know, they do need to sort of say the ship as a whole because, you know, the the notion of, I mean, we're talking about now, uh, you know, are they not selling Che at the minute because they need him in the first team? You know, it, 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 we're, we're getting down to, to that point that, you know, it's it's not crossing the line. It's not being a Mark Cuban or a Jerry Jones if he then comes out and, you know, does a me, me, me thing, but saying, hey, you know, season ticket holders that are walking away, sponsors that are walking away, because I don't know if you realize, if you noticed, but in the off-season, two of their main sponsors took a significant downgrade um, in who they were replaced by. And who is that? Even, uh, well, Chase, one of the world's biggest banks, was replaced by UMB. Mm. Massive downgrade. And you've got um, Elephant Insurance being replaced by the, the Gallagher Group. Was uh, I mean, I don't know too much about the Gallagher Group, but they're certainly not you know plastered around everywhere like Elephant is. It yeah. just seems like their entire level of of sponsor just uh, other than you know when they got ch- oh, well since they. After they got Chick-fil-A, everything has seemed to uh, reduce in stature somewhat. So, and, you know, we can talk about the, the whys and, and why not, but, you know, there's there's not one thing trending positively other than social media, you know, because, yeah, they do have a great social media guy, and that seems to be the only positive thing to come out of the season so far. I, the only thing I would contribute is to what you're to what you're saying, Peter, and I agree with you, is that I, I'd like to them to include a little my bads as well, like to admit that they've screwed up the roster a little bit and they need to make some changes and get things in the right direction. Because if you just come out and just say, "Yeah, Rob, our go team, we got a plan," I don't think anyone's going to listen to that, and someone's going to have to contribute a little bit of their own fault, you know. 
Yeah, and and so and we're going to talk about the the two games specifically here in a second, but I do want to lead into kind of like which is the number one question that I'm getting asked, and Buzz, you're getting asked it, and I'm sure Dan's getting asked uh, um, by his friends, which is you know what is the status of Lucci, which we can address a little bit, but what I really want to what I really want to figure out because this has been kind of the running conspiracy in my head, which is I don't know how much Zanata. It has grown an influence inside this club. And and I've been thinking in the back of my head that he's quietly been saying to Dan and Clark, well, you know, I got a guy from South America that would be perfect for this job that's got a lot of experience. But I do have to wonder, where is Zanata's uh, stature in the club based on how terrible Vargas has turned out, how terrible Obreon has turned out to be? Faco, I'm still, I still can't tell you what he's good or bad at, and I'm not sure that's his fault, right? Because the yeah. team's just so bad. Um, you know, they spent all this money to get the Philippe guy that's just sitting on his ass doing nothing, and they can't sell him because he's a fat ass or was. It was. Um, and um, you know, X, Y, and Z, and all the other players that Zanata, you know, the has trickled in that have turned into nothing. So, I. I, you know, for all the ideas that maybe he's got some sort of influence over a replacement coach, is he in trouble? So do we have any idea about his status and his in the club and Lucci's related status? No. The problem is, is that this organization has two owners and they both run the team in the sense that Dan is president and Clark is, while he's not here, they don't make big decisions without Clark. So it... It's different if the organization has presidents and GMs and VPs that are all here and aren't the owner and they all are working in their own self-interest and they're all leaking stuff. Well, that's not the case. These two dudes on the team, no one's firing them. So they're not going to tell anybody squat. So anyone that says that they know is lying. Now, around the team, people that work for the team, people that cover the team, we all think and they all think that Lucci's in trouble. But we're all just guessing based on the results. Now, same thing with Zanata. You look at the pieces Zanata brought in. The only one I like is Martinez. The, the rest of them, Philippe's okay when he gets to play, but he's not as good as Jimmy. So it's like, why are we bothering with most of these signings? Most of these signings are busts. Now, it's not a great track record. I don't know that anybody ever hits more than 30%, except for maybe Seattle. You know, it's, it's definitely not good enough. Now, do Dan and Clark think it's not good enough? I have no idea. You know, if you're selling players and making them a million dollars every player you sell, they might think it's great. And that's <laughs> that's the thing is we don't know. Yeah. Nobody knows except for those two uh, guys. What It's funny. It's, this kind of came up in one of the little threads in the Discord uh, the other day. You know, I, I distinctly remember a quote um, Zanotta made – when he first uh, joined the club, and it was something about he specified, you know, that he's here to help find players, you know, their destinations abroad to to help sell. So if he's, you know, if if judging him to the hunts at least is lopsided towards, you know, who he sold, how much for, he's got a permanent place in that employee of the quarter parking spot that's next to Dan Hunt's. So if I had asked either one of you at the beginning of the season on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 is completely safe and 10 is uh, out the door, where, at before the season, what number would you have applied to the Lucci hot seat? 
Buzz? Uh, if one is completely safe, I would have said two. I mean, there's always a chance someone's out. But, it, you know, I, as we've talked, as I've always said about him, he's the perfect confluence of Huntism. Right. Right. He's he's uh, he's the product of Oscar and Shellis. They're two favorite people. He's a product of the Academy, their favorite thing. You know, he's I would have said he was as safe as one can be since no one is ever perfect and safe. All right. You know, Dan, where would you have put the number? Yeah, exactly as as Buzz said. Uh, All right. One to two range. All right. After last night's ridiculousness, Buzz, where do you have that number now? Uh, five, six, you know, middle of the pack. I don't, I don't think he's in as much trouble right this minute as people would think. I think the hunts don't like to waste money. And so firing a guy mid season wastes money (laughs) really does, you know, because then you got to start hiring somebody now. And when that person is going to want to change staff and all these kinds of things. So short of a, Steve Morrow national TV embarrassment or something like that. I think they'll ride it to the end of the season and then evaluate, you know, okay. Dan, I'd go with a five. Um, you know, if, if you bring someone else in now, they're going to have to ride out the season. It's still going to be a terrible season overall. And that already sullies the new, you know, any new coach in the minds of the fans and FC Dallas doesn't want to necessarily, keep the fans happy, but they also want to keep them quiet. Hmm. All right. I'm going to be the contrarian here. Shocker. Uh, I'm going to say it's at a nine Ooh. and I'll tell you why the, 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 the club surprisingly has had a rather successful season, at, at least in their uh, world in terms of attendance. They have, you know, the, the July 4th game was essentially a sellout. They had a 16,000 the week before. I think the low this season was 14. Um, they've been doing better attendance-wise than I anticipated. Cash is clearly an issue for this team at this time. Um, and if if this gets con- if this continues in this path and they people stop coming to the games, that's going to be a real problem for the Hunts, bottom line, which is always what drives this. And if they could move Eric Quill up or if Zanata's got some, you know, a Hispanic name to throw in there, I, that may do it. And by the way, Buzz, I've got to think that Lucci's the cheapest coach in the league. So whatever they got to pay him off on is relatively low. And I think this is his last deal of last year of his contract anyway, isn't it? I believe that's true. Yeah. So uh, there's a there, and I can't believe I'm saying this and maybe nine's an extreme. I think the seat is hotter than you guys think it is just simply because this could go off the rails super fast if they just let him drag it out to the end of the season. And they didn't even do that with Shellis, remember? And they love Shellis like a grandfather. Well, they let Shellis finish the season. Did he? I thought Shellis did. Yeah, there was no interim coach. The only last guy they fired mid-season was Morrow. Oh, that's right. He did finish the season. Yeah. Listen, Jeffries got fired midseason because Southlake was horrible. And listen, we're right. close. Right. So it's, it's legit. And then Morrow got fired midseason after that debacle against LA and national TV game. So, right. The, listen, the, the, the season Morrow got fired, they won eight games. Shellis' last two years, they won nine and 11. The Southlake season, they only won six. And then the ties were also bad. So they had 19 losses, which is a huge disparity that season. So, you know, they only pull the trigger when it's really historically awfully bad. 
which this is, don't get me wrong. It's so, but on the cash front idea, and I, I think there's some validity there, Peter, I buy it. But also on the 15th of July, the Reynolds sale goes through and that's seven mil, 15th of July, <laughs> right? Tessman, yeah. Tessman just flew today to Venice. That's reportedly three plus. Right. Reggie's about to move it. Reports are to another club in France. That's a 40% sell on. Yeah. But have they even gotten the money from his original sale yet? No, but if they bounce, if they bounce him on, then the cash comes in and maybe they get it. I'm just saying like Che, if they hold to the winner, they might get three, four for Che. That's what they want. Right. You're if, saying the invoices are coming due. Yeah. If, if Rich, Rich is just going to start the preseason with Byron, but then they're going to, the report was they were going to then bounce into Hoffenheim again. Well, if that sale happens, there's a sell on there. I'm just saying that like the idea that they're bleeding cash here. Yeah, absolutely. But they're also about to have 15 million come in from sales that dwarfs the other side of the coin. Yeah. You know, so I, I agree probably that they're not going to want to see it SAS. I just think that short of a national embarrassment, they'll let it go till way later in the season. Maybe even as far as like, it, like, well, we, we've talked about the schedule three times now when they have four or four home games or five home games or whatever's between now and the end of September. So it's like, it's going to get darker and darker and darker since they can't win on the road. It's going to get brutal. So, I mean, it's going to get hotter from here on. I just think right now, I think it's, a, I'm, I'm in the middle. I'm not hundred percent like where, where you are. Yeah, no, I, th- those are all good comments. I, you know, I was, I was thinking about looking up when the next national TV game is, um, because that maybe that's the yeah. that's the that's the target date to look at because if 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 your point is that it's a big giant you know nationally televised televised embarrassment I'm trying to think of oh they don't say in the schedule what what uh, channel the games are on oh yes they do yes they do so their next big one they got a Unimos game against Salt Lake at the beginning of September. Uh, Salt Lake's not that good. That won't be an embarrassment. No, you know what? Here's the here's here's what's working for Lucci. The team is so bad and so unpopular. They don't have any national games between now. Mm, and, August. Oh, there's an effort. Oh, the the game on Austin. The Austin game that I'm going to be at that yeah. uh, Andy and I are going to um, is the for, is the next national television televised game. Yeah. Uh, so. Maybe I'll be there for Lucci's final game. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. Poor Lucci. God, I feel bad for that guy. Um, all right. Well, let's move on and talk about uh, the components of which uh, bring us to this point, which was, you know, uh, last episode we were celebrating uh, a really kick-ass uh, win against New England, who were leading the East at the time. But, man, things have turned ugly since then as – I, you know, this is the most MLS thing ever. You you beat the first place team of the other conference, and then a few days later, you end up struggling, literally struggling to tie the worst place team in your own conference in Vancouver. And what a weird game that turned out to be. Yeah, listen, the the little system that Lucci's doing in order to try and ground out points, I think that system is actually working. But when you're a bad team, people switch off. They have moments. They lose accountability. They lose personal responsibility when you have a bad team. So and it's that's, not working. Well, the concept, <laughs> the team concept and the tactic is working. What's not working is that individual players are not holding up their end of the deal. And both goals in Vancouver were an individual player making an individual mistake. 
And and the, we're not to the LA game yet, but all three goals against LA were an individual player making an individual mistake. So in the context of Lucci and being fired, the thing he's trying to do is, is working. He's being let down again by his roster and his individual players. So that's my big takeaway from the Vancouver game is they outplayed Vancouver other than somebody let him down. He's missing guys. His roster's not good enough. That's the bottom line. You think they outplayed line. Vancouver? Yeah, I oh did my. think they outplayed Vancouver. Hmm. Dan, what did you think about that game? No, nah, I thought actually that was were lucky and didn't was uh, went worth a point. Yeah, I... I got to say, Buzz, you know, the, the, the real highlight, the one thing that stuck out to me uh, out of this game, which then leads into the game in L.A. last night, was there was 40 minutes, uh, a, a continuation of about 40, 45 minutes of Jesus really playing out of his mind. The goal that he created with Pepe was fantastic. It was a real get-out-of-your-chair kind of moment. It was really, really good. And then I think the rest of the league figured out how you shut down Jesus and they just started to mark him really hard and then he just wore out from that point on and that was continued in his you know miserable performance in LA last night and 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 because he singularly has been the only one creating anything on this team the whole store shut down yeah well that was I covered that in the instant reactions today the problem is, is if you play in a mid to low block tactically you still have to be aggressive you cannot be passive and when those wide wings are sitting back on top of the defense helping, which is what you want, if they don't then do their part of the responsibility was to get forward into the side channels, then you end up with Pepe and Jesus on an island, and you see what you saw versus L.A. They put four players around Pepe and two more guys in front of Jesus, and they boxed both those guys. Zip, nothing, shut out. That's not those two guys' fault. That's mm-hmm. the fault of the players on your team not doing the job they're supposed to do. Like people talked about in the LA game, I was watching Twitters or whatever. They're like, wow, it was actually better when Obreon came in. Why? Because Obreon ran forward into the channel. So they had to mark somebody else for the first time all game. Right? So it's like, again, it's, just, it's, it's a player's play, right? Soccer for me is always the game where the coach has the least amount of influence on the game. It's all about the player. Like you couldn't even coach up until, what was it like the 70s? You had to stand over there and be quiet. Right. Players on the field made all the adjustments. You only had like one sub. You couldn't change anything. It was all about the players. It's always been about the players. If your players aren't good enough, there's a reason why Klopp spent $270 million over the last three years to buy players. It's about the players. Players aren't good enough. If they're not going to do their job, they're not going to get forward. They're not going to be aggressive. Nothing's going to happen. You're never going to score. There you go. LA Galaxy game. All right. Uh, <laughs> we didn't even get into the LA Galaxy game yet officially, but I, that's kind of what I wanted to ask you, Buzz, is is, yeah. is did Obreon actually make the case that he's not as bad as we think he is? No, because he still wasn't very good, but he at least ran forward into that position. You know, I mean, Emma Tuomasi in the second half actually did this. What, it, was, it was before the end of the second half, excuse me. There was a moment where, for some reason, they flipped – Brisson and Tafari. Did you guys notice that? Yes. Right. The minute they did that, Justin Che ran like 20 yards further up the field. And all of a sudden, Emma on that side ran like 20 more yards up the field. And then that side started working because they put Tafari over there who's quicker and covers more ground and can and can cover up better is my assumption. I don't know for sure. I, I didn't hear the press conference. So like that, the minute that change happened, that play, that side got vertical and Emma 
continued that in the second half, and Obreon did that in the second half. So I'm not saying that Obreon came in and said, look how good I am, I should start. I'm just saying at least he didn't just sit there doing nothing like they did for most of the first half. And that was the difference. That in L.A., of course, was up three goals. But, you know. So I, my intention was to do these things separately, but we've already turned it into a mashed potatoes of two uh, really unfortunate results. Yeah. But I, the, the thing that really stood out last night uh, in the L.A. game was, and, and maybe this is a byproduct of Cerillo starting over uh, Faco uh, and Emma starting over Obreon, but the L.A. midfield was just murdering Dallas throughout that game. I, I want to hear what Dan thinks. I'll, by the way, really quickly on the Vancouver game, 17 to 5 on shots, 8 to 2 shots on target, Dallas 60% to 40% possession. They outplayed Vancouver. So the midfield, though, that part of the equation, to me, that I actually thought Surreal was fine. It was Acosta. Acosta took a game off. I thought he was <laughs> terrible. <laughs> and he got lifted at halftime because of Yeah. So okay, so that was that. I did wonder that, and Dan, maybe you had some insight in this. Did Acosta get lifted because he was crap, or did he get lifted because there was some sort of deal set in advance to let him? Well, he didn't track that runner. He was directly uh, responsible for that. He, goal. he was dog shit. He didn't yeah. watch the runner on the goal. He he barely moved out of the center circle for the for the entire first half. Um, I mean, you know, you, you want go you want the ball to get to Jesus. He's your man to feed the ball to Jesus, and he didn't didn't do anything. He's got. Edwin Sarrio, who, you know, in that instance is out of his depth trying to run run the entire midfield on his own. It just wasn't going to happen. Mm. So we got last year's Acosta back yes. is what you're saying. Which is a well, shame because he's been amazing. He was terrible. Okay, but here's what I want to know. Was it, was it Brian's decision to stick around and play in this game? And if so, why would he do that uh, performance? Or was he pressured into sticking around? And so to get back at everybody, he threw that crap turd out on the field. I have no idea, Dan. What do you think? Uh, do we even know if uh, Honduras camp started before today? Well, MLS had him listed as out, and we were all under the impression that he was gone after the Vancouver game. At least I was. Well, I was based purely on the fact that the U.S. camp started on the sixth, but the U.S. plays on the tenth, right, and or the eleventh, and uh, yeah, I think Van- I think Honduras has a game before the U.S. actually. Oh, I thought that first one was on the 13th. Oh, maybe I've got it wrong. I, 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 the point being is is that I think there was a lot of surprise players, even for L.A., yeah, of I mean, guys uh, everybody legit, assumed were leaving for, leaving for camp. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, but, you know, you, actually, I think that kind of ties into a point of, you know, was, was Acosta thinking more of the Gold Cup than L.A. Galaxy? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, based on his performance, either yeah, or I, I would that would be a surprise based on how hard he's worked this year, right? Yeah, it does not fit in with his desire this year. His stated desire, he publicly stated that he was bad last year and he had to do better, wanted to redeem himself. Well, this game was like last year, so it does not fit in with the profile, and it's not surprising he got yanked at halftime. Um, you know it, that. I don't know when with both Johnny and the other person who made a mistake. Both Johnny and Acosta got lifted at half. I don't know whether Lucci's turned the corner on if you hose me, you're out. I mean, he's not really <laughs> been that kind of guy. You know, right. he's pretty forgiving. 
but you know, <laughs> uh, and then Ryan did the same thing with that boneheaded back head back, whatever that was. Okay, so, but let, this is a good this is a good uh, talking yeah. point. Let's also go back to the Vancouver game. Brisson makes that terrible marking or that terrible uh, maneuver to lose the ball that gives up the easy goal. I don't even remember what the second mistake was in it was the on Vancouver a corner. It, it was a, a player was, got. Man, somebody got beat, like, and who yeah. was, yeah, it was it? Johnny Nelson. It was, it was Johnny Nelson again? Oh, jeez. Oh, oh. No, mate, no, no, no. It was Nelson Ryan was last. Head. Okay, it was Ryan. Yeah, right. It, Ryan back to. I remember thinking that when he did the header thing. So yeah. Ryan back to back games blew it. Yeah, between that corner and uh, and the one they sc- uh, the LA scored, something occurred to me. When you watch those back, Nikosi Tafari is the kind of floating front post player. When you've got someone like Johnny. Uh, Johnny Nelson, Mark, and uh, whoever it was. You typically put your shorter players on the post, right? Not your tallest player, your best aerial guy, not marking. Yeah, Johnny Nelson should not be man-marking somebody. That's true. I mean, to, that's a coaching mistake right there. Well, to, since we're going to say that, Lucci doesn't do corners. Like in one of the staff delegations, this I can't remember who it is. Corner kick specialist. Well, yeah, it's like he has assistants and they all have different responsibilities. And one of them does corners. I can't remember which one it is. It's either Luci- Lucien or it's Mikey. I can't remember which one. Is, but it, it's the not over- is it the over celebrator? Because I, I don't know. know who that coach is that runs over and dog piles with the players after they score oh, a goal. Man, I, I hadn't noticed that. Who is it? Oh, that's one of the trainers. Yeah, I don't know who it is. Uh, I don't yeah. know his name. I just, um, he just. He seems so, to be an over-celebrator in my book. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, you know, they write it all out on the whiteboard in the dressing room. It doesn't matter if you delegate it or not. You've got to look at it and say, yeah. that is fucking dumb. Fair. Yeah, fair. Okay. But here, but uh, again, the, the reason why I bring all of this up is, is going back to Buzz's point, which is people have to take personal responsibility for their performance. And what we are seeing out of veteran players, you know, this is a team that is filled with young, homegrowns, teenagers, etc. Yet the people that are making critically stupid errors are veteran players. Ryan Hollingshead, uh, that corner kick for one in the Vancouver game, and then that whatever happened last night in L.A. is just like, okay, what's going on here? Oh, well, you know, that's what I mean about switch-offs happen. Like, when, when things are going south, everything goes south. It all cascades, you know, and guys get down, and they all of a sudden they don't focus for just a moment, and that's all it takes. You know, these things pile up on each other, and then all of a sudden somebody gets hurt that you weren't expecting to get hurt. Look, I mean, back in 2003, right? Jason Christ, Ronnie O'Brien this year, it's Hedges, now it's Martinez, you know, it's all part of it. It's all there's like a million things that cause you to be as bad as this team is. One of them is veterans switching off. The other is young guys not be, being in a job that they shouldn't be in too early. Like Justin Che, right? As good as he looks as a prospect, like he gets better every game. He does so many things good. He's also good for two or three scorchings a game. <laughs> so, you know, everything the fact you got to start a 17-year-old right back is part of it. The fact that you got Bus signings is part of it. There's a, there's a million things that led us to this moment, you know, and there is lots and lots of responsibility to go around. It's front office, coaching staff, players, responsibility, all of it, man. Yeah, a lot of the errors that are being made are, uh, uh, you know, one of those things where you just worry that it's the downward spiral that 
you need a coach or a leader to pull it out of. And I, and I don't know if that, I, well, I, I don't think that exists in this locker room either amongst the roster or in the coaching staff. I just, you can just tell by body language and these errors, these switch off errors that people are just not uh, there. It's, it's not happening and it seems unlikely to change, but what, um, what I was, what is really alarming to me, and this is where I think this is also a coaching thing. And again, I, I have to give credit to to uh, Mark Followell and Steve Davis, who are in a terrible situation uh, as the play-by-play and analysis guys for the TV broadcast. Because you know those guys are professionals; they see what's going on in, the, in front of them. Uh, they don't want to overly sugarcoat it, but they're also being paid by the club to to be the presenters, and they're not in the position to be you know overly critical. But both of those guys have been very fairly critical in these last two broadcasts and calling out situations uh, as needed in, in about the most professional way possible. But one of the things that they talked about a lot was Mark even pointed this out. This is typically Steve's realm. But when Mark even starts pointing this stuff out, it's just it's as you know, it's really alarming, which is this team's willingness to get a ball kind of progress up the field and then instantly freak out, stop and play backwards or sideways. And there's just nobody on the team who wants to take a ball and progress it down the field. Yeah. That, that comes back to that positivity that we were just talking about a little while ago, right? You, you can play in a mid to low block, but you have to, once you get it, you like, think about it, how Oscars teams played that way, mid to low block. Right. And then counterpunch when they got it, they went in a hurry and this team doesn't do that. So like, Lucci has given up Lucci ball and switched to this more Oscar style system, but because the team has got such a bad record and it's such a stink going on, it's not all working. And that this idea that there's a whole bunch of things going wrong brings me back to an idea that I wanted to actually ask you about Peter and see what you think. If you're an owner and you're evaluating this team and Dan too, I want to hear what you think. If you're evaluating this team, like if I make a change now and and a coaching change now, can this season be salvaged? with the roster I have, with the injuries that I have, with the things that are going the way they are. So is there any point to me doing it now or do I just sit on it and do it all this winter? You know, that I think that's part of the factor in whether you're going to make a call. Because I, I don't believe, and I want to hear what you guys think, I don't believe that there's enough talent on this roster to salvage this season if you change the coach. Dan, you go first. Please. Um... It, if you're the owner of FC Dallas, no. If you're the owner of Seattle in the same position, absolutely yes. It's uh, you know you would have to clear house. You would have to have a couple of real nailed on targets that you know are going to pay off straight away. And other than that, you know, otherwise it's just uh, it's it's a lost season. Um, the. I, my answer is somewhat similar, Buzz. I do think there's enough components in here to make this work. Uh, if you got the right per, this is a complicated answer. Like to get the right guy that can pull this thing out of a nosedive means that you you're going to go out and find a highly experienced, um, probably expensive coach, and to find somebody that's like that that's available in this moment is unlikely. But uh, assuming that's available, then yeah, I think there's enough parts to make this work. I don't think the injury situation is, you know, uh, like 2003, they're not season ending injuries. Martinez and Hedges, I assume will be back in a couple of weeks. Um, and you get those components back and that feels a lot better. 
so I, I think there is an opportunity to salvage it. I just don't think um, the well, person to do that is available. Now answer the question, knowing that this is one of the lowest paid jobs in the league and the Hunts have never hired somebody from outside the organization. Well, that's exactly kind of the other, uh, that's the other point in all of this is, which is no matter if you think Lucci should be fired or not, and if he is, the thing that you have to remember in the back of your head is, is that even, I mean, the most aggressive the Hunts have ever been in getting a coach was when they paid an unknown amount of money to Colorado to get Oscar to come back. And we all assume that was somewhere in the ground. We've heard, I've heard, I've heard as low as a quarter million dollars and I've heard as much as a half million dollars. Yeah, but even he, technically outside the organization, still was a 15-year player here and a seven-year coach here. Oh, sure. Know, and his family, as we as they like to say. So I mean, you know, and we all and, and yeah. we all like to and we all conveniently forget that it wasn't like Oscar walked back into this job with an absolute mountain of experience himself. Right? He had only been doing it for a couple of years. Yeah, so you're, I think you're right. I th I think that's yeah. the pro that's the other thing that we all have to remember is is that if they get rid of Lucci, the person that's going to take his job is probably. Lucci Jr. It could be Eric Quill. It could be one of these, you know, over celebrators on the sideline. It's it's yeah. it, it's it's not going to be Bruce Arena or Jose Mourinho or some, you know, really well in uh, experienced coach from South America. I just don't see it. It'll be Quill, Lucene, or Ferruzzi. It'll be one of those three. Yeah, I think you're yeah. absolutely right. Yep. Wow. And, unless um, unless they've had a complete change of philosophy. If they really haven't had a complete change, and then Zanata's boy from Grimio is the answer, but I don't, I don't know that that's. I mean, who knows, right? I guess we're gonna find out maybe at the end of the year. I yeah. Who knows? <laughs> All right. So the other question I wanted to point, the other thing I wanted to comment on was, um, and this is gonna come across wrong, but I was actually a little bit disappointed when Hara scored last night because I was all revved up with this stat that I wanted to point out which was actually highlighted, again, by the aforementioned Steve and Mark, that up until Hara scoring that goal in L.A., the only person on this team that had scored dating back to the Real Salt Lake game in the run of play was Ricardo Pepe. Did you know this? Yeah, you no, I, yeah. And, and while I think it's cool that an 18-year-old kid is scoring goals for an MLS team, it's not neat that the only person scoring goals for an MLS team is an 18-year-old. Yeah, well, one of the things that's been true of this team lately in the last few years is they've had a lot of defenders that would score. They've had a lot of midfielders have scored. They've got a lot of goal by committee. You know, we've always clamored for a 15-goal scorer. Maybe this is how you get it. It's only having one guy score, but it's not good. Ogahara almost blew it, too. Yeah, well, yeah. Did, did anybody think when he cleared the goalkeeper he was going to muff it? I thought, yeah, when he when he kicked it, I thought he muffed it, and then I was then it went. Oh, and he like, just like did that soft outside of the foot, and it looked like the, the defender was catching up to it. Yeah, yeah. it did. Yeah. I think we all thought he was about to Christian Coleman it to death. <laughs> I, I, was, I was disappointed he didn't let it go for uh, for another ten minutes. He was so close to going twelve hours without a goal from the run of play. Wow, that's. Uh... That's bonkers. Yeah, I and so Buzz, I, I'm interested. You know, I know you're talking about low blocks and and being yeah. progressive, but there is something about what Jesus is doing right and is not doing right uh, that that 
clearly is some sort of on-off switch for them being even slightly dangerous. Yeah, listen, right now, Jesus and Pepe combo is the way to go forward. Now, if if the other team is allowed to box Jesus and box Pepe, nothing will happen. So it, it doesn't matter what formation you use or what tactics you use. If the, if you don't get them, get somebody going forward in the other positions, then that will happen and nothing will happen. And Or Jesus, when you, that does happen, you've seen it, you notice, Peter, he comes further and further and further and back trying to find the ball. And look mm-hmm. how deep he was when he played that ball over the top to Frank O'Hara. Now, that, that happened to work, but look how deep he was trying to find the ball and trying to find the game. Yeah. And that was also just poor defense by uh, LA's part too. Who, by the way, were missing their two starting center backs as well. So it was. And if, and if you're this, if you're this bad, then I think you can already start talking about the future and you have to, I think you can already play for the future. And so they need to be concentrating on guys that are going to be their pieces you build around. That's going to be Paxton. It's not yet, but it's going to be Paxton. It's going to be Jesus. It's going to be Pepe. This is the way forward. And some of these young guys have a little bit of scrap, in them and a little bit of fight in them. Like the last couple of games, even like the Vancouver game, right? They kept going forward and they kept trying. They ended up getting an own goal to sort of tie it up late. And the positive is that Dallas has five ties already, which is more than they had the same amount they had in all of 2003. My point being is that as bad as the record is, it's not quite the complete give up yet of 2003. There's still a little bit of fight in some of these young guys you know, and that's we, we try and live in the moment sometimes when we're analyzing, right? Big picture, this sucks. So let's try and see the little things that are going good. You gotta love Jesus and Pepe. You gotta love Justin Chase progression. I love Nikosi Tafari's progression. I love that Jimmy Maurer is still showing up every day and bringing it. I like that Ryan Holling said, even though he's had a couple of flake offs, he still is worth like a 95% of anybody else you can roll out there. You know, th- there are some. Edwin Surreal looked pretty good, you know, in his progression as he's coming along. Like I'm, I'm, I'm now willing to consider starting in the next game, next to Faco or next to Savini or whoever the hell they want to put in there. You know, there's little bitty moments of goodness that we can build on uh, in this giant shitstorm of terrible. <laughs> also you known as Twin Stadium. Yeah, Twin Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I am interested in you, you guys' opinions on Emma, who we've seen for the first time. It was I was really blown away when Steve and Mark commented the first. This is his first time to play in a game or start or something, dating back to 2018. I had no idea he'd been with the club that long, and that he had been out in the Netherlands uh, trying to like hone his game before he finally made it back. Did were we pleased with his performance last night? Uh. I'll go first. I thought the first 30 minutes or so, no. But then, like, the last 10 of the first half and then the part in the second half I thought was good. Bam. He's Yeah. Um, yeah, similarly. I mean, the majority of the first half was, was just terrible. I don't think it was, uh, you know, even worth singling out individual players there. There was just not enough of a, of a, of a collective uh, success for, for anyone to, to look any good. Yeah. I, the one thing that I do want to comment, because I've been a little critical of him uh, since he started playing, was uh, uh, Nikosi, who, uh, while I'm still not convinced is really good at passing the ball more than 10 yards, his defending has been really sharp of late. He's been winning some one-on-one battles and, and 
and uh, unlock, you know, kind of breaking presses uh, pretty well. So that's a that's a really positive sign. And he's also got the jazziest hair on the team too. So, um, uh, you know, I, if I had to look for a, a silver lining out of all of this, is that we've gotten to see something good out of Nikosi uh, Tafari. I agree completely. Yep. Yeah, he's uh, best player against LA, and uh, I know you said I know you're not a fan of his passing, but I thought his long balls against Vancouver were phenomenal. Uh, I'd have to, you know that was yeah. that was as you know good as it, anything uh, Ziegler put up. Okay, I, here here's where he I thought he lost me in the Vancouver game, and even Steve made comment of this is that when they were working late to try to tie the game. Uh, instead of giving the ball to Ricarte, he was trying to do it himself when Ricarte's five yards away and he should be giving the ball to Ricarte to do that. And this was very late in the game and he shouldn't have been trying to put the balls into the box. It should have been somebody else. But that that would be my harshest, most nitpick uh, criticism. Uh, I'd agree with that. And that's, that's a pretty typical defender thing, right? The guy's looking for the long ball out, you know, what he thinks is going to, you know, putting yourself in a scenario to long ball out the back, not really considering what's a few feet away. And that, that sort of thing's going to come in time. Um, mm-hmm. You know, obviously, Matt Hedges took uh, a considerable amount of time just to to get to that level of passing. Yeah, yeah. context of the game aside, he was 12 for 15 on long balls in that game. Nicholas okay, yeah. well, that's good. I, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm pleased to hear that because his first couple of games, it was really, really shaky. Which leads me all uh, to this particular question, which I, I can't quite figure out for the life of me is... What, what is going on with Ricarte? Like his, like he didn't even get into the game last night. Is, it, did he, did he anger Lucci? Has his game fallen off so much after all of us agreeing that it was him and Acosta keeping this thing together? I, I like, I can't figure out where yeah. that guy just fell off the planet. Well, I, I don't know if if coach is mad at him. I'll have, I'm gonna try. That's one of my first questions when I can get back out there this week. I will say that in this particular setup, I don't I don't know that like him in a double pivot in this in this four four one one thing would would be great. Um, but my big hang up is that the two games before the international window, I loved what they were doing with the double eight with him and it was before they they were using Tanner as a six, who's not a great six, and they got a real six and then they they went away from it. I was like, just put yeah. Baco in for Tanner. And keep playing that way because they were producing, you know, 29 and 30 shots or whatever it was for a couple of games there. I was like, oh, terrific. Let's go. Just get a six and put him in. And instead, the minute they got the six, they dropped into this double pivot kind of thing. I was like, is is Lucci so convinced that Baco can't be on an island by himself? He can't single six? That's crazy. Why did you buy the guy if he can't single six? Why did you give up on this formation that was producing so many opportunities? I don't – there's a big mystery there. Now, I get it in the sense that you're trying to grind out some results and you had to get some wins maybe, but I, I don't, I don't understand <laughs> why this is the route other than that idea that like, you're so desperate for points that you're going with this super defensive stop the bleeding, which, you know, is not doing that either, but because <laughs> of the individual stuff, I, they must've just decided that, I mean, I can't, I, sometimes when I, when I watch training, it's like, I don't, Ricarte to me still looks like one of the best players on the team. You know, I don't understand why he's not in the mix, but then I don't understand why Thomas Roberts isn't either because Thomas Roberts looks great to me. And I don't, you know, so sometimes I don't get it. Well, well put a pen in Thomas through... Roberts. Cause we'll talk about Thomas yeah. Roberts here a little bit later. Yeah. 
So if, if you wanted to kind of draw a better double pivot and, and had that taking Ricardo out, you know, Lucci did the same thing when uh, when Thiago Santos signed and said, you know, he needs to be in a double pivot. He doesn't know the defensive scheme Ugh. just yet. But, I mean, you've watched Quignon. His side-to-side movement and defending is fantastic. He is definitely a single-six guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he I agree completely. You know, yeah. yeah. It's a wasted opportunity. Yeah. Were you guys surprised that he gave Faco the uh, first half? I mean, I, I, was was that a resting thing because he's new and he and the heat and all that stuff, or was that some sort of like statement thing to give Cerio a chance? Well, it, uh, I'm hoping it's both because um, Faku has wilted a little bit late in games. I've noticed he does fade off a little bit, and two games in like four days, maybe we're going to give him a rest. It is hot here, but Edwin has looked. Like Steve Davis in the broadcast, did you guys watch the broadcast and notice that he mentioned that he thought Edwin looked like a different player the last game? I remember him saying the beginning of the game, yeah. Yeah, between that comment, because yeah, I agree with him on that, and also the way Edwin's looked in training, I actually thought that Edwin was due for a little more game action. I didn't think it was going to mean a start. So I'm, I'm hoping that's a combo of go on the road, okay, we could go double, pure double pivot, you know, with a, with a, with a well, not pure because it's still Costa, but... I'm hoping it was a combination of load and giving Edwin a chance because Edwin's looked pretty good and not like Faco stinks. The fact that Faco came back in later for Acosta actually makes me think that it was rather, it was load management and giving Edwin a chance combo. Mm. Okay. Well, I, I, we'll I, find I, out in the I, next I, game, I, Peter, because Acosta is going to be gone. Then we'll know. Right. And yeah. well, and then yeah, the, the other part is, is it because clearly L.A. you know, took their foot off the gas. You really have no way of really assessing how any of that worked because, you know, L.A. had kind of gone it had had changed all of their, uh, you know, what you know what I'm saying? They, yeah. they just they had kind of like let go of the game because they clearly were in command at three nothing, and and things changed for them. So it's really hard to assess how things were working with Faco or anybody else just because the game had kind of ended itself at that point. Yeah, already. totally. Yeah, yeah. And then you know now they've got ten days to sit around and think about this because it's there's the the, the <sighs> break coming up for the Gold Cup this weekend, so they don't play again until the seventeenth, where they have to try to go to Portland. Uh, and play there, and then they've got the game three or four days later in Denver, and then three days after that, the Galaxy return, probably with Chicharito in tow. Uh, so, uh, oy vey. Oh, and then August ends by going to Kansas City. Yeah, good schedule. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Lucci. Nice. Could you, yeah, I mean, because uh, do you feel like they've got a, a chance in hell to win any of those games? Uh they're they're about to lose their best play the, the well up until yesterday the player that was in their best form. Yeah, the only the only one, boy, no, I, I would have said historically I would have said Colorado, but Colorado's really good now uh, and is well coached. Um, you know, listen, home field is still home field, so even with Chicharito, Dallas is undefeated at home, so you, any given home game is your best chance. Now their home schedule is tough, but the LA Galaxy game of those three is the one you probably have a chance to win just because it's at home. That's mm. that's it. Otherwise, you're toast. Sporting at home is to- is tough too. I mean, that's you know until you get to the San Jose game and Austin at home, those are your best two. But by then, you're going to have lost se- seven more games, so it's going to be <laughs> bad. Boy, All right. Well, let's uh, move on and talk about what is coming because, uh, well, not coming. It's here. The transfer window has opened. The breeze is blowing in. 
Uh, and uh, Buzz, you tweeted out the other day is with all the other stuff going on of people leaving and sneaking out the window like yeah. little teenagers uh, to go see their girlfriend. Would something come the other way? And do we? I. I, I uh, you know, I, you, well, I don't know. <laughs> you know, here's the thing. It depends on whether you think the coach and the TD are safe. If those guys are safe and their owner thinks they're safe, their owner's going to say, what do you need to fix the season? And so they're going to go to him with a list and they're going to say, we need a right back. So we don't have to play a 17 year old. We need a wing so we can play like a real team again. <laughs> we need two wings. <laughs> two, need two wings. You know, like they're, they're going to have a list internally. Those guys, their staff. If the owner backs them, then they'll make some moves. That's how you'll know, really, if those guys are screwed, is if they go through this window with no moves, they're screwed. Because mm. they've got Roberts is going out on loan. Tessman's going to be sold, apparently. Reynolds' sale's going through. Sealy maybe is going to go to PSV or, or not, but maybe he is. I don't think Che's going to go this window. I think they'll keep him because they're so desperate for bodies, especially center backs. So that, mm -hmm. that's probably more this winter. Like all the German reports are, it'll happen this winter, right? So that's that's four dudes, maybe five, if they go ahead and pull the trigger on Che, right? So you got to replace those guys with something, don't you? I mean, you can't you can't have a roster of like 20 people. You got to well, have... Then the, is there, are there players they'll call up from North Texas? Well, you have to sign them. I mean, you could do that. Maybe the answer is they're going to sign some academy guys, sign some North Texas guys, but... Then that that'll be it. That might as well be nothing if you're going to do that because none of those guys are going to solve your season. So the question would be, is do I believe in Zanata and do I believe in Lucci enough to go out and spend some money, hunt money, relax, not a DP, you know, to sign some bodies? And if they do that, that's an indicator that they believe. Hmm. Uh, you know, and where those players come from will also be telling. Yeah, because if they're a bunch of Brazilians and South Americans, you know that Zanata is probably in some sort of all right, you've got one more chance or you're, you're yeah. in a perfectly comfortable situation. Just a couple uh, loans from Gremio or Palmeiras or whatever, get a couple bodies in, see what they can do, you know. Right. It'll be all telling. Well, not to throw uh, more fuel on this flaming bag of shit, but just think about this list. Luis Gonzalez, Baji, Pablo Arangis, Aguiar, Giassi, Eric Alexander, Augustin Hara, Paparato, Escobar, Samari, Pupikio and Eric, all midseason signings for FC Dallas dating back to like 2013. Now, the one good one in there that I didn't throw in, obviously, is Mauro Diaz. But even he, that was, is, you remember, he came hurt, though. You remember he was slow to yes, be impactful. Yeah, he was. Escobar was pretty decent. Escobar was okay. Yeah. And I liked Baji all right. I thought he was okay as. As four trades go, I was okay with that one. But, yeah, yeah, there were great. literally a couple of names on here. I don't even remember them. Yeah, most of those. I don't, I don't remember the don't remember one. the legendary Cariaca Gonzalez. No, and then, yeah. oh, there's another name on here I forgot. to. No, that guy came in preseason. I thought he was midseason, and he was preseason. I can't. It was the Mexican. I think he was Mexican uh, midfielder. Anyway, so yeah. my point being is is that as much as we, you know, if in fact anybody comes, history tells us it's probably not anything to get too excited about. It yeah. may just be simply a body. You know, you know just to play devil's advocate, um, you know, we talked about them bleeding cash and suddenly cash is going to start coming in. Maybe the plan was just to run the front end of the season light and try and resurrect the situation in the second half. Well, they do have an open DSP spot. You know, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I did a poll today on the Twitters just for the fun of it to see where people thought 
you know, that if Dallas was going to pull a trigger on a DP, whether where, where they should do it. How did and that it, end up that poll? Uh, it was a pretty mixed bag, but um, yeah, I, surprisingly, the one that won, I think, was um, as I'm trying to call it up, was forward. But I think people meant wing when they were doing it. They didn't mean uh, it's a, a peppy replacement. One, yeah, they meant they didn't mean peppy. They meant a winger, you know, because yeah. that's part of forward. Because um, <laughs> this then, team's wings suck. <laughs> I mean, really, it was like it was it was. 20% of people said, no, thanks. Don't do one. But then otherwise it was like 25 to 27, 28%. So it was tight. I mean, it's really, it's everywhere basically, right? That's the answer is everywhere. Can we get one at every position? It's funny. Um, I'm inter- I'm interested in the people that said no thanks and passed on it. And are people um, saying no thanks because they just want to see the kids play and they don't care about the season? Is it because they just don't want to be bummed out by whatever piece of crap they roll out and call a DP? I don't, that's the, that's the one yeah. response I don't fully understand. Most of the responses for no thanks were the season's already a bust. Just wait for a new coach. Some of them were no, I play the kids. You know, that's, we're fine. The team's terrible anyway. Just play the kids, which I, that's, you know, if, if you're not going to go for it, that's my thing is play the kids. Um, well, they're, getting, they're getting ready to let go for, of three or four of the kids. Like they're yeah. not going to have any kids left to play. Well, you got Sylvania. You can keep Che in there. You keep you know get Paxson in there. Get Jesus in there. Those, I'm still counting those guys as kids. I mean, they got Nicky Hernandez floating around. They got Benny's hurt. You know, Colin Smith. I mean, you know, those kids are right. You know, but well, I do. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. What were you going to say? Well, most people seem to say forward, meaning wing. Uh, for me, it would be if you're going to spend DP money. I want a Grezzo. I want a legit superstar six. But, you know, they're not going to do that right after they just bought this guy, Faku, right? I and mean, it's not going to be wow. Faku. So I, I don't think you're going to get a DP midseason. I think if, if they're going to get a DP, they're going to wait for whoever, whatever's next. But th- there should be some activity, you know, unless you're going to sell Lucci out and just let him just drive the thing into the ground. You got to give him some bodies, I think. <laughs> Well, okay, so let's think about this. Uh, particular, let's talk about the news that you broke the other day that uh, set the internet on fire. Thomas Roberts is leaving. Yeah. Free him. <laughs> yeah. So what is that? All? So this, this is a loan. It's not a sale. It's just to get the it's kids some time. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, the, the, this started percolating back when he went back to Byron this last time. Like, you know how... Um, Surreal and 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 uh, went to Austria. The same sort of thing was on the cards for Thomas again. The, this current team, even, but Lucci talked him into staying. So they blocked his Byron loan last year, and they talked him into not taking this one. And then he didn't play a dime, play a lick. So then now, of course, Thomas's people are like, "Well, forget you. We're going." So uh, it's going to be year long loan. This is a team that's just come up. They they saw him enough that they were gangbusters for him. They really, really wanted him. This team does. So that's good for Thomas to go somewhere where the coach and the staff were all like, oh, thank goodness you're here. You know, listen, the Austrian Bundesliga is not at the bottom end, certainly is not as good as what Major League Soccer is, I don't think. Maybe not even at the top end, despite the fact they get somebody in the Champions League. So good deal for Thomas. Hopefully it actually all comes through. I don't know why it wouldn't since he's already gone. He's already on his way over there. You know, just like Tanner left today, too. So, 
So let's talk about Tanner's uh, news, which yeah. is that Tanner is not going on loan. He's being sold and will leave the team and go to Vencia. Uh, uh, um, did I say that right, Dan? Vencia? Venezia. Venezia, thank yeah. you. Yeah, cool stadium. Uh, in in uh, Venice. So Yeah. So Carlisle broke that one, that he's being sold. I don't have any of the numbers or any of that stuff. I just was able to confirm that, yes, what the reports are true, and he's going. You know, he left today also. So uh, that one's not over the line yet. Let's don't get too crazy. That one's not inked. So that could fall apart. I don't think it's going to, though, or else they wouldn't have leaked it. But uh, whoever leaked it wasn't, you know, on my end. So All right. So I want to ask both of you guys. Yeah. Do you, uh, what, I'll ask Dan first. Dan, do you think it's a good idea for somebody like Tanner, knowing his situation, that he wasn't getting time here, you know what his skill level is, you know what his upside is, do you think going to play in the midfield in a newly promoted Serie A team is a good idea for your career path? I mean, it's a gamble, for sure. Um, you know, in Serie A, his, that type of player can can really succeed um but i mean what's the alternative uh stay in and watch your stock slowly drop in he's he's been dropped from the team missed the uh, gold cup roster so that's the, you know the shop window was at least being pushed further back hmm. yeah Buzz, yeah what do you think uh well my understanding is that they they quite like him and they really put on like a hard sell like we really want you to come here you know, and so that kind of confidence is really good. Like, if you like, one thing that I've said a lot of times about these kids when they go is if, if you go somewhere where the coach didn't pick you, or like the owner picked you, or the technical director picked you, and the coach is like, I didn't ask for this guy, you're hosed, right? So, hopefully, mm-hmm. this is a situation where the coaching staff has some sort of plan. You know, I don't, I don't know if he'll walk in and start. I really don't know anything about the circumstances other than the fact they just got promoted. I mean, what a cool looking venue, you know, and apparently they're getting some big, brand new, awesome stadium or something. So they must have some money to spend. You know, maybe they're looking to build like a core roster and and maybe they see him more as like a guy we bring in now and he kind of is in our system for a season or two and we try and make him into something. They must think highly of him, I'm not sure. I don't know why you spend $3 million if you don't think it's pretty decent. You know, they're not that rich. Well, I, you know, I think about I'm thinking about Brian Reynolds situation and the video today of him with his first Jose Mourinho training and, you know, how he's gotten, you know, his choice to go to Roma versus going to the Belgian club that really wanted him has now put him in a in a really weird spot. And I think about, you know, what if Thomas's situation was being purchased? Like I, I like just getting yourself into the right situations. And this is easy for me to say. I'm not the guy trying to make a soccer career, but putting yourself in the right situation. I always think back to the Breck Shea, you know, taking the deal to go to Stoke, which was everybody Oof. knew was the dumbest thing that kid could have ever done. And it, it essentially ended his career in many ways, uh, or at least it, it killed the, the uh, trajectory of his career, I should say. And, and so I think about Tanner getting himself in this situation, and you could just see him getting stuck on a team in a relegation battle, and, he just, and oh my gosh, and that could really put a, a real dent in, in your career path. But I don't know if he had any other opportunities to go anywhere else, and he's a guy that's like, look, I just got to get out of here. I just want to go to Europe, so I'll take whatever deal's on the table. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know enough about the money or the situation in the team. You know, one of the things about playing in Syria, even if you're on a bad team, is everyone's going to see you, right? All those other European teams are going to see you play in Syria. It's not like with Thomas going, I think Thomas is going to be in a league where he's going to really look like a superstar. 
with his ball skill and passing ability to break lines and all that kind of stuff. He's but isn't player. that the better path? Isn't that uh, well, like it is for Thomas? Yeah. Yeah. Cause Thomas needs a chance to play and to show and to, and be in an environment where he looks like he's the deal. Whereas Tanner already has gotten the national team cap. You've already seen him in MLS. Okay. What's something that can expose me even more. And one of the top five leagues is it, even if you're for in a relegation battle, you know, if you can get onto the field, people are going to see you. So Tanner's betting on himself clearly, but that dude's yeah. got tons of confidence. He's a level-headed kid, super smart, good people around him, very solid in terms of his mentality and his focus. I mean, think about it. He came here when he was 14 by himself. Yeah. He came yeah. here and lived with, I can't remember who he lived with, but he's been living here since he was 14 on his own. Right. So that's a very mature kid. So he's betting on himself and he's comes from that. He's got, Got the Dabo Sweeney vibe around him, you know, as his godfather. I'm sure he's got mojo, if you know what I mean. So I'm not at all worried about him in this environment, actually. I think this is the kind of thing where he'll sort of thrive, you know, and it'll just be the step for him. I don't think there's he thinks it's of, the answer. There's, there's kind of a smart thing as well in going to a, a, lower t- a lower side. You know, he can be the moderate-sized fish in a, in a smaller pond. Uh, Wait, are we talking yeah. about Tessman at in the Serie A or Thomas yeah, in Tessman. Austria? Okay, um, but you know, so we saw it with uh, Brian. You know, the talk about if you know the sale to Juventus, they would have had to have had someone else technically buy him and then sell him on uh, because they can only do that to foreign players from a foreign league in a in a season. Well, by going to Venezia. You know, his uh, he's got his license there, right? He's effectively he's effectively a, a, an Italian player now. So any other team in Serie A buys him, and he doesn't count as a foreign player anymore. He okay. might count on like the game day rosters, but he doesn't count against their transfers. So, you know, he's kind of like a good flip for for Venezia if he really pans out. Yeah, think about how the U.S. coaches look at Europe over domestic too. Like just yeah. being in that squad means you're like on a different point of view. Yeah. You know? Well, again, I don't know if he had any other opportunities or 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 what. Um, I, I mean, I certainly hope it all works out for Tanner, and uh, he's probably in a better situation, and I hope he makes more money and all that stuff. Uh, so let me ask you about two more buzz. Let's yeah. uh, real quickly. You mentioned Che. Uh, you know, he came back, and it was there was a sense that Byron wanted to buy him, and now is this a, just a situation where? Poor Justin's a little in a bad situation because his club needs him, and so he's going to be here for a bit? I mean, not very long. You know, Byron wanted to buy him, and Dallas wants a little more money, but they also wanted to play him some. They felt like they needed him. And we've talked before about how Byron's reserve team, they don't play in the the U23 Bundesliga. They play in the senior ranks. So they were in Bundesliga 3. But they just got relegated. So that team that Che would play in is going to be like playing in the regional leagues or something. So like for him to go back over there right now. And then listen, if he got if he was in Byron first team practice, that'd be awesome. But he, I doubt he would have been. I mean, Richards is, but I doubt Che would have been. He would be playing in this regional fourth division against – it's like it would be like playing in the NPSL, mm-hmm. relatively speaking. Like MLS, what he's doing right now is better than that. So – you know, all the stuff in the German press, Byron's happy to leave him here for now because he is playing. If he wasn't playing, it'd be different. I'm surprised he's playing this much, but here we are, you know. So I think 
if you read all the quotes, there's all this stuff about, oh, we're happy for now. You know, we'll look at him again in the winter. I'm, he's going to go this winter. That's when it's going to be. It'll just be, he's going to kick it around here. He's going to play some games. And then Dallas will sell him this winter when they're, when they're going to rebuild. It's a last place team or it's going to be a last place team. They're going to have to rebuild the whole roster. That's when they'll sell them. It'll be fine. <laughs> it's really so looking gut this team. Yeah. I'm just so looking forward to that. All right. And then what about, Don, what about Dante Seeley? Yeah, as far as I know, that whole, like, I had heard discussion that he was going to be moving this window. And then he went on that thing. I couldn't believe he posted that picture, by the way. I was like, what a dope. Oh, I'm when sure he was a PSV? Yeah, when he went on that training stand or whatever. I was like, what is he doing? Because, like, the window's not open yet. So it's like, where's he going? I assumed it was sort of like a last check on him to see how he fits. Now, if he goes, I'm assuming he's going to. I'm sure, you know, he hasn't played very much lately. I'm sure that they'll put him in their 23 team or something. But as far as I know, that's as on as it ever was. And what I had heard was there was a chance at a loan there. So, I mean, he's been there multiple times on training stints. Surely they would have known by now whether they liked him or not. So they must like him, I guess. So, I mean, I'm I'm anticipating that he would be – I've been anticipating he was going to move this window for like five years. You know, the window after he turned 18, I figured he's gone. Mm-hmm. So I'm just waiting for that one to happen. I, I'm actually really surprised it hasn't happened. To be honest with you. Well, now I don't know what to say. That's going to be interesting as we, uh, and window closes when? Oh, I didn't look. Yeah. I mean, Dan, do you know when the window closes? You always know these little weird details. Weird, uh, I say. Like. Yeah, like a couple weeks before the roster freeze or something. <laughs> yeah, something like that. So oh. they've got a month or so well, to figure figure this out, right? These are the European primary windows. These are your big windows before the season. And like it even runs up like into the season a little bit. You know, the MLS window would be shorter, but that's about incoming players, not outgoing. Oh, sorry. Be... Yeah, then it should be September 1st. Right. Oh, so there's a long while. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, September 1st. Oh, right for the rush. Um, okay. So, Buzz, the other thing that I wanted to uh, talk about, and I'm this is completely off the rail and, and a completely different subject, but I have to give you credit because when this hap- when this was enacted, you made a, a claim that I scoffed at. There's no way they'll ever agree to stick with this, which is the change from three subs to five subs. And I'm seeing this growing support for how much people, quote unquote, love five substitutions in a game. And it drives me batshit crazy. I think it's the worst change to the game in a really long time. And I don't know if this is a generational thing. I don't know what it is. But you were the one that said, yep, once they do this, it's going to be like you're never going to get them to go back. And I do wonder, does everybody like are you on good with five subs now or? Oh, no, I hate it. Yeah, Yeah. I do, too. It's it's the worst thing ever. Yeah, it's awful. Yeah. Dan, what do you think about it? That's crap. You like it? No, it's crap. Oh, it's crap. I thought you said that's. I mean, you can. I mean, they they made the point in the England game the other day. I know you've made the point a bunch of times, but in England game, because you get an extra one in extra time, you know, they were like... Uh, yeah, you get six. It was, yeah, it was like, this is insane. You can literally change more than half of your team. That makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah, it bails out poor coaching and poor roster management, right? Listen, soccer, historically speaking, I talked about it earlier in the podcast, you couldn't coach and there were no subs. It was a player's game. Adjustments were made on the field by the players. The reason that it's called a gaffer is because he was a trainer. He taped a gaffer means a person who tapes things. 
right? The reason they call them managers is because they managed crap and brought the balls. They weren't coaches, well, right? They were managers because they managed the transfers. Right. They weren't, they weren't coaches. You didn't coach. You weren't allowed to coach during the game. It was about the players. And then they added a sub because a guy would get hurt. And so that's quality of the game. I get it. They added one and then it was two and then it was three. It's a, we don't, that never goes backwards. Now that it's five, I know England went backwards. Thank goodness they did. Cause maybe it'll save it, but we're now at five and it's stupid. It's like, you can literally change the whole game. If you screw up your team, you can change half the team and completely transform your team and the game. I well, hate it. Well, and here's the thing. I, you know, if you're in a salary cap league like Major League Soccer that theoretically has some parity, I, I do think that you could make the argument that it is less impactful. But I was making this point the other day about the England-Denmark game, which was Gareth Southgate subbed in Liverpool's captain, Man City's best young player, an 80 million plus pound attacker, and then replaced that guy with a La Liga championship defender. And then Denmark, on the other hand, essentially subbed in Fulham's best player and a couple of guys from Brentford and two other guys you've never heard of before and a Leipzig striker. And the and the gap in the depth of talent was epic in that game. And, and that was in many ways a byproduct of how England was able to win that game because of yeah. that particular rule. You can cover up unfit players you can cover up guys that are hurt you can you can effectively you know at halftime you can literally bring in a whole new side almost you know it's like at some point there's little difference between where we are now and the ability to just change anybody you want in the whole team you know well that's always my that's always my question is okay if you're happy with five then why not six or why not you know whatever like what what, what's stopping you from doing you know on the fly subs like indoor soccer Right. I mean, listen, like on the fly subs would be crazy. Changing everybody would be crazy. But like you say, what's in between five and six or five and seven? And the reason that the Premier League voted against it and went backwards is because all the poor teams know that all the rich teams will crush them because yeah. they can bring in a whole bunch of more players and they bring in guys that are superstars of the game that are worth a hundred million dollars and they're bringing in some stiff worth a thousand. So it's like, it's not fair to the teams that don't have big, huge, humongous superstar rosters. So again, that's why I hate it. Like if you if you like FC Dallas, you should hate this rule. Because Dallas has a shallow roster in the sense that they have a bunch of kids, right? Or they're not any good. It's like you go against Seattle and they got guys coming in that are like compared to Dallas's guys are worth 10 times as much money or whatever. It's like it's the same scenario as being a poor team in England. Dallas is a quote poor team and don't spend money. You should hate this rule if you're a Dallas fan. Yeah. I will say it'll probably cap out at six if they do increase it again because that's the uh, cap on international games. But well, if, maybe uh, if the IFAB, which you know a, a fifth of it is is England, right? Uh, you know, if they they do kind of have to have that rubber stamp and not just keep doing extension after extension, then hopefully this uh, crappy nightmare will go away. Go England, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I know things change over time and rules, you know, uh, people's attitudes change and there's modifications to the game and and, and this and that, but with water breaks and multiple substitutions and all that stuff, it just just feels like a very different game and and I don't know. 
and 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 that's why I always want to make you know with so many people that are supporting it and liking it. I'm just trying to figure out what it is about it that they like. I, I that's the part I can't figure out, which is. You know, they're like, oh, the games are more exciting. Are they really more? I, I don't, like, you're missing out on all the, the wear and tear and players having to, you know, yeah. fight through. And that, that's yeah. always been a part of the game that's now missing in many ways. The ability to go 90 minutes matters. That's what the game, at a lot of a lot of levels, that's what the game at its core is yeah. about. The play and the whole thing. Colin Clark used to say the difference between a fit team and an unfit team is the last 10 minutes. Because when you get tired, your brain goes off. Right. You make mental mistakes. That's why fitness matters. So it's like... You look at like every classic FA Cup giant killer and it's always been exactly that. The team in the higher division is trained better. Their players are better in that last 10 minutes. Can the little guy hold on? That's the drama. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, I, I was, oh, can they bring in four more players? I was thinking of the England game in uh, Sterling. Like the fact that that dude was still beating people to the ball and, and outracing people 119 minutes into the game, I thought was was phenomenal. It was fantastic. And that's that to me is the epitome of a soccer player. Uh, and and I just, I don't know. that. Uh, and again, it's a generational thing, I suppose, and I'm yelling at the cloud or whatever. But Get off my I, lawn. Yeah, <laughs> no, Amen. I, mean, I, I fully agree. Even from the same game, like the Jack the Jack Grealish situation, you know, he was carrying an injury. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm happy to see him. He's a great player, but you know, a coach shouldn't go into it saying, "Well, can you use a sub on him?" And then, you know, if he's kind of feeling it, I'll just bring him back out. I've got right. <laughs> you sub you sub a guy that is wanted, you know, for however millions of dollars, and you sub him in with a guy that was playing on the best team in La Liga as a defender. That just seems totally unfair. Yeah, think about this. In MLS, I've seen a dude sub in, and then that same dude get subbed out. When in the world would you have ever seen that, short of some oh, catastrophic injury? I've seen that happen three times in games I've been to, and all three times that player no longer worked for that team after that day yeah i mean that's the level of bad it would have to be yeah. now it's just like yeah just like what game was i watching they brought in a guy in order to try and get a goal back they scored the goal and so they subbed him back out put it back in a defensive guy i'm like that's stupid that's not soccer that's dumb that's yeah, a different game well that's indoor yeah it's yeah. indoor that's exactly right <laughs> i was like this is not soccer what are you doing to my game get off my okay. lawn but now we're talking indoor john's favorite game you just took john's tone I know. I'm crying because I you hate did it. did start sounding like a little bit of, you had a little John. Yeah. <laughs> I hate John's it so much. <laughs> it is nuts. I don't, I don't get it. And, um, uh, and maybe it's, maybe it's going to happen whether we, uh, no matter how much we fight, Buzz, you and I standing side by side as the wall, they're going to yeah. defeat us and, well, and overrun you know, us. They're not going, it's not going backwards. I don't think unless they okay. save us. Um, and by the way, I just wanted to comment, Dan, about the English game. My favorite part of that game was that was that uh, passage of about four minutes, starting at about 115th minute, when England just kept the ball. I don't know how many passes consecutive they completed. It must have been 45, 47 passes. And despite the fact that they had multiple opportunities to play wide open guys in the box and, and add another goal, they smartly just kept it and just killed off the game. And I, that was the most beautiful thing I had seen out of a soccer team in a long time because I love when a team just keeps the ball away. I just liked it when they teased the run to the corner and then recycled the ball again. Yeah. You could just see the, defense, the, the fullbacks getting pissed off. 
Oh, it was great. Uh, Kyle Walker made that one run before they added. They pushed him back into the as a third center back, and you could tell, you know, he wanted to do his thing, but something in his head went, "Nope, Gareth told me to do this instead, so I'm going to do this." And they just, it was, uh, it was a thing of beauty. Uh, so, uh, sorry if you're a, Den- a Danish fan. I just that that particular uh, scenario in the game, you just we just don't see teams do that enough and see games out smartly and be smart about the game. And that and inevitably somebody gets greedy and tries to score. And what does that happen? That turns into a counterattack where some team that doesn't deserve to win gets some goofy goal at the end and changes the whole thing. So, kudos to England for seeing the game out properly. All right, anything else that we want to talk about this evening before shutting up? the shop well i just want to point out that ricardo pepe has six starts and plays has played a total of just barely over six games if you count by 90 minutes he has five goals in six games on 12 shots on target that's half and he has seven key passes to go with it mm. all aboard bro get on board now <laughs> well he needs he needs somebody to feed him the ball so hopefully jesus plays better uh and i will point out a my own stat uh, I somebody else had done this about their team, so I looked it up over on FotMob. Uh, their highest-ranked FC Dallas player in all of their rating, if they do a match rating, the highest-ranked FC Dallas player is Brian Acosta at number 46. Now, you think to yourself, okay, well, that makes sense. The next highest player for Dallas on the list is their left back, Ryan Hollingshead, at number 92, and everybody else falls into the pit of sub-100. Yeah, that's about right. Talking about the whole season, I buy it. That's sad. There are literally players in the top 20 that play for Nashville. Cincinnati. That Acosta guy for Cincinnati is like in the top five. He's pretty good. Yeah, I know, but (laughs) my point is is Dallas can't even break top 20 or 30 or 40. Yeah, Nashville's pretty good, too. Wow. All right. Uh, Real quick story to close this up. I was asked on Twitter if I knew of a good place to get Premier League gear around the area. And previously, the answer would always be, you know what? It's kind of hard to find really good Premier gear, uh, club gear, uh, especially locally. You kind of go online, and that's difficult, too. But you know what? Now I had an answer for Zoe. I said, Zoe, meet Soccer90.com. Soccer90.com, meet Zoe. And so I'm sure Zoe's going to get her some Norwich stuff from Norwich. our favorite store, which is, uh, you know, because that's who Third Degree of the Podcast is brought to you by. And it's the great place at Soccer90.com to get all your FC Dallas, your Norwich, your U.S. national team, and international club gear. They got it all. And don't forget, because you are a beautiful Third Degree listener, you get 25% off your order. Just use the code Third Degree at checkout at Soccer90.com. Well, Dan, again, congratulations on the big win. And I'm rooting for you on Sunday when you guys go up against the Italians. Thank you, and it really tickles me the way you both said Norwich. I said Norwich. 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 How do you say it? Norwich. You say Norwich? Yeah. Oh. I don't think my canary-loving fans would agree with you on Norwich. that one, sir. Uh, I'll, as the one that's actually spent a lot of time in Norwich, I'll uh, <laughs> Norwich. <laughs> Please, I've never been there. I know way more than you. <laughs> <laughs> hey Buzz, uh, yeah. good stuff. Uh, sorry you had to 
suffer through watching that game on delay again this week. I know that's not fun to do when well, you know for, how bad. I know you going. I know when you know going into it that it's going to be a yeah. giant shit yeah. fire. Yeah, <laughs> that's never fun. Well, first that was an amazing uh, ad lib to the promo you did. Also, number two, mm. it is my job and sometimes I am to a watch professional. These yeah, right. <laughs> and number three, it's like I was watching that game. I, people go into these raging fires about games. I watched that game and I'm like, this is the same team that's been bad all year. It's like that game didn't look any different than all the other crap games they've had. So it wasn't shocking. Yeah, I mean, it's not good, but it's on the road. They suck on the road. You know, there was individual mistakes. That's been happening lately. It's just it looked like a team that's not very good. I mean, I don't, I don't know what. It wasn't any worse than anything else that we've been watching lately. Well, the good news is when we do a podcast next week, they will not have lost a game. Yes. So there's the good news to look forward to. All right. Thank you, FC Dallas Curious fan. Hopefully you're still curious. We will speak to you next week in another edition of Third Degree, the podcast. It's coming home. Bye, Thomas. Thomas is not coming home. Third Degree, the Third Degree Nair Podcast. 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 Third degree, the third degree